they didn't believe us. Now there's evidence. Now they have to believe us. And now it's all, it's woken up a country and it's woken up actually the world in regards to what happened in Canada and the United States into residential schools and boarding schools. I'll talk a little bit about that later. Smoke and medicine. When we smudge, we wash the smoke and we wash the medicine over our body. And it helps to center us. It helps to put us in a place where we're connected and where our spirit is fed. When that smoke's coming up, we wash that smoke over our hands so that anything that we touch or create during the day, we're going to touch and create it in a good way and in a kind way. We wear glasses, we wash that smoke and that medicine over the glasses, and then we bring that that smoke and medicine up to our eyes. We bring that smoke and medicine up to our eyes so that as we see things throughout the day, we're always going to see things in a good way, in a kind way. Then we'll take that medicine and we'll wash it over the top of our heads so that any thoughts that we have will be good thoughts and kind thoughts. And then we'll pull that medicine into our ears. Pull that medicine into our ears so that we're always going to be able to hear the best out of everyone and everything. And then we take that smoke and that medicine and we pull it into our throats. We pull that smoke and that medicine into our throats so that when we speak, we have a strong voice. So that when we speak, we say kind of words. And then we pull that smoke and medicine right into our hearts. We pull that, that medicine and that smoke into our hearts so that we have empathy and we have love for ourselves and love for others. And then I always pull the smoke right into the core of my being, right into my belly button. I do that so I can stay centered as I do things like this. I'm not necessarily looking for balance right now, but I am looking for centeredness. And then we take that smoke and we wash that smoke down each one of our legs. We wash that smoke down each one of our legs so that we can always remember how sacred life is with each step that we take on our mother the earth. And then I'll raise some smoke up to the creator and I'll push some smoke down to our mother the earth. That's the way we smudge. There is no right or wrong way to smudge, but what we're doing is, is that we're using the medicines that were gifted to us by the Creator. Um, they all have different properties, and they all help us in different ways. The sage is a medicine that takes away negative energy. We believe that negative energy can travel from a person to a place and to a thing. Uh, I wear hats. I like hats. I buy hats. Uh, I don't know what kind of energy is attached to this hat from the, from the last person that made it or the last person that touched it. So what I do with everything that comes into my home, I smudge it. I smudge it to make sure that the negative energy is not there. So that's the sage. And then we have, we have this. Sweetgrass, wingbush. Sweetgrass represents the hair of Mother Earth. And our Mother the Earth is very kind and very gentle to us. And in this one blade, braid and blade, there is uh, probably over 200 years of teaching right here. But we can talk about that later. So we've talked about the sage 
talked about the wing bush, the sweet grass. Uh, we can talk about the cedar. The cedar is a very, very strong protective medicine. Cedar is good for the body. Cedar is good for the mind, for the soul, loaded with vitamin C. And uh, we use cedar for protection. And we've already talked about tobacco. So those are the four sacred medicines that are gifted to us as indigenous people. And they say that you should be able to go anywhere in Turtle Island, which is North America, and find at least one of those medicines somewhere. Those medicines are gifts. So with a gift, we shouldn't have to buy our medicines. We grow them, we trade for them, we barter with them. Um, but we never pay for them because they're gifts from the Creator. And they were put here to help us. So, I'm going to sing a song. <clears throat> Something's telling me to sing an honor song today. Don't know why. Uh, but the song I'm going to sing is about the eagle. Yeah, Megazag. And the eagle is all about strength and vision. And this song that I'm going to sing, something's just telling me to sing this, so I'm going to. The song talks about hearing the eagle, seeing the eagle, and taking the eagle with us in our hearts. And Megazag, the eagle, did so much work for us as Indigenous people. That is why today there's there's many songs about the work that uh, the Eagle did. And all of those songs are honor songs. So as I sing this song, think of things that you're grateful for today. Think of how you can honor someone or something that has been in your life that has meant a lot to you.
was indigenous people, we pray all the time. And we very seldom pray for ourselves. We pray during good times. We pray during sad times. But our whole life is about prayer and giving thanks and being grateful. So much has been given to us as indigenous people to be grateful for. And I really didn't understand that until I was almost 50 years old. And that was when I started journeying and taking a different road in my life that brought me back to culture. Part of the 60s scoop. I don't know if many of you know about that or, um, or are educated about that, uh, and that's fine. But it's a part of our history that people should know about. And um, it came right, right after the residential schools. When we talk about the residential schools, um, my grandmother was in the residential schools. My dad was in the residential schools. Uh, my uncles and aunts were in the residential schools. And I am the first generation on my dad's side that has been able to go home after school. The residential schools has had a horrendous impact on my family. And that's just my family. So I could imagine um, how it's impacted other families. And if you're indigenous, their residential schools have impacted you and everybody in your family in one way, shape, or form. When, when the children went to those schools, their, their spirit was broken. They didn't have a name. They went by a number. And um, my family and my family members, my dad and my my dad was in three different schools. My grandmother was in one. Um, my uncles and aunts were in a couple different ones. And I couldn't imagine what it would be like not being called by your name given a number and that number would stay with you for the duration that you were in those schools and this was all mandated by the government to take the Indian out of the child to have access to the land because that's what people wanted as indigenous people we don't own anything we're stewards of the land we were given a role by the creator to look after creation, to live in harmony with creation, to be equal with creation. We have the we have the mountains and we have the ants. We're supposed to bring ourselves down to be equal to an ant. But land is very important. Land has always been important to people. And land's always been very important to us very important to us. But in those schools, they had their spirits broken. They had their spirits taken away from them. They, when I talked to my cousin, who's uh, almost 80 now, he says the worst thing about those schools is that it took his childhood away from him. They were abused mentally, sexually, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. That's all I'm gonna say about those schools. 
Fortunately, I've been able to change that narrative. And that was because I found a way back to my culture. Identity was such a big piece with me that was missing. I was displaced along with my sister at a very young age. Uh, and we ended up on a farm outside of Kitchener Waterloo and we were raised by New Order Mennonites. Interesting. I was never abused. It was, it was isolating and it was a very interesting upbringing. And uh, they did the best they could with what they had. And I'm grateful for what they gave me to my sister. And I was at a young age, even at the farm, not knowing that I was Indigenous, I always had a deep, deep connection to being outside. I always had a deep connection to playing in the, playing near the water, uh, playing in the creeks, going swimming, and being in the forest. That's where I found my, my comfort and my solitude. I can remember as a, as a kid, you know, walking into a forest, hearing a bird, and then going and finding that bird. And I would spend hours and hours and hours in the forest looking at different birds, trying to find different birds. But that fed me as a child. That gave me something that nothing else could give me. And that's what we do at Crochet Lodge. We, we go right back to the basics. We take people back out to the land. Because we believe once you make that connection with the land, eventually you're going to make that connection with yourself. And then sometimes, because of who we are and, and uh, in today's society, everything is so quick. Everything is so convenient. And then we get caught up in it and we forget about what our spirit needs. Because we have four quadrants within us, the mind, the body, the spirit, and the emotions. And those four quadrants are all the same size. And we need to address, well, we don't need to do anything, but it, it's, 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 people would encourage you to look at those four quadrants in your life, those holistic quadrants, and address them equally so that you have balance in your life but the spirit is so important to us because we believe that everything has a spirit we believe the air has a spirit we believe the moon has a spirit we believe the sun has a spirit the first fire ever lit was the sun we believe that the trees the rocks, the animals, the fish, the birds, the grass, everything has a spirit and everything is interconnected. So we need to feed that spirit in everything. This drum that I have has a spirit. The striker that I have as a spirit. This is all made out of natural, natural things off the land. So how do we feed our spirits? Well, with objects, we feed them. I don't know if you can see it, but I have some red on here. I have some red on here. We feed 
our drums and our sacred objects with berries. And our feathers. Take a bite of a berry. Especially a strawberry. Why strawberry? Because we call that the heartberry. And uh, strawberry is the first, first berry that is out for us to use. And the strawberry is the only fruit that has its seeds on the outside. Interesting. But that's what we do. We feed all of our objects and then we water them. We feed and water everything. And that's what we need to do to ourselves. We need to find those places, spaces, and things that feed our spirit, that lift us up, that give us nothing, that give us something that nothing else can give us. I was talking to Laura uh, before we came online today, and I was I was sharing with her that that I just left a, a forest school. I get to do this every every Tuesday morning, and I get to hang out with uh, with uh, about ten to fifteen young children that are the ages from 7 to 12 and we take them out on the land and I talk to them about smudging I smudge them, I sing with them I give them some teachings but those children give me something that nothing else can give me it's that innocence of life it's that freedom it's that pureness where they aren't impacted yet by society they want to learn they're like little sponges and they're so grateful so grateful for what they learn they come up and give us hugs they don't know us but they give us hugs because we're meeting them where they're at we're not above them we're not below them but we're right beside them and we meet those children where they're at And they're so grateful. So, um, Crochet of Lodge, Feeding the Spirit, sits on four pillars. Healing, education, land stewardship, and reconciliation. Threw that last one in there to uh, stimulate some conversation. And it has. You know, they say it's going to take seven generations for things to be reconciled. We're in the second generation right now. We still have five more to go. I believe that allyship is a way to reconciliation. And that's why I approach you Lodge. It's open to all nations. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, what faith you believe in, who you follow. When you come out to Crochet Lodge, you're equal. We treat you with respect. We treat you as a guest. Almost every time when we when we do circles in, in one of our lodges, we give you three berries. We give you those three berries to represent your mind, your body, and your spirit. And we ask you to eat those because we want to feed your mind, your body, and your spirit. Then we'll offer you some CRT, some medicine. And then we'll smudge you. And then we'll sing to you. And we'll ask you where you're at within your understanding. And people are all over the place with their understanding of indigenous related issues on allyship, on stewardship. And that's okay. It's great because you know what? 
we have we have never been here before. And that's the beauty of this. We're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna make those mistakes together. At Crochet Lodge in the past two years, we've had over 600 people from Waterloo Region out to our land-based site in New Hamburg. We've talked to them about allyship. We've talked to them about our roles and responsibilities. We've talked to them about global warming. We've talked to them about a whole bunch of things. And people still want to talk. People are still wanting to come out to the land because we help them unlearn. We create a nice and safe, welcoming space where there's no judgment. At Crochet Lodge, we never call people out. We call them in. We say, come, let's go. Come on in, come on into our lodge. Let's lean into these hard conversations. We never blame, we never shame, but what we talk about is the truth. The truth that has happened to the indigenous people. The truth about where our environment is right now. The truth about how on Thursday it's going to, I don't know, get up to 12 degrees and it's gonna be raining. There's a bunch of stuff going on that shouldn't be happening right now. And why is that happening? For a whole bunch of reasons. But we believe the worst disease that ever came to man was a disease of greed. It will influence individuals to do things that are not within the best interest of communities, that are not within the best interest of nations, and that is definitely not within the best interest of creation. Greed. It happens. It's there. And, and what do we do about it as a collective? Because as Indigenous people, we're, 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 we follow these traditions. And, we and they give us foundational values in life. And these values and traditions that we follow are the teachings of the seven grandfathers. Seven very, very important teachings that we live our life by. And greed isn't in there. Greed is not within one of our teachings. Our first teaching is Humility. Humility is to know that you're a sacred part of creation. And we always consider ourselves equal. We never put ourselves over above anyone. Our next teaching is honesty. It's about having the courage to be honest. There's a difference in between honesty and, and truth. With honesty, it's all about integrity and being truthful and trustworthy. And then our second, our third one is truth. Truth is always having the knowledge to know about culture. And then we talk about bravery, facing problems with, with integrity. Stepping outside of that comfort zone, if we see something that is wrong, 
you speak up. And then wisdom. It's a mixture of teachings and life experiences. It's about intelligence. It's about training. And it's always about listening to learn. And then we have love. This is what I struggle with. I'm conditioning. I'm not having a parent, not having a mother, not having a father to give you that unconditional love. But this is the one I work on the most. Knowing love is knowing peace. Love must be unconditional. Love is based on emotion, kindness, admiration. And then our last teaching out of those seven is respect. Honoring creation shows respect. And those teachings that I and a lot of us follow are very beneficial to us because they give us a foundation. And that's what uh, our lodges in Crochet Lodge, they, they all sit on the teachings of the Seven Grandfathers. They're not Badewan Lodges, they're not Ojibwe Lodges, they're not Cree Lodges, they're, they're not Anishinaabe or they're not Haudenosaunee Lodges. What they are is they're, they're lodges that sit on the teachings of the Seven Grandfathers. The Crochet Lodge is open to all nations. We do monthly sweats out there, we do full moon ceremonies for the women, uh, we do men's circles, we do women's circles, we've done workshops uh, to make flutes, we do drum making workshops, we do ribbon, ribbon making workshops, ribbon skirt workshops, the list goes on and on and on and on. And the thing about this is that it's open to Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. What we give people when they come to Crochet Lodge is it? And experience. And the time is right to be doing this kind of work, to bring people back out to the land, because if we're going to talk about any Indigenous related issues, and because Indigenous people are land-based people, we should be talking about everything and anything that's connected to Indigenous people on the land, because we are the land. That's where everything comes from the land. Our clan system comes from the land. Our teachings come from the land. Our spirit helpers come from the land. Our ceremonies are all on the land. It's all around fire and water. And as, and as men, we, we have the responsibilities where we are keepers of the fire. We tend the fires. And the women are the ones who walk and protect the water. So we all have roles and responsibilities within partnerships and relationships. And as men, we have to make sure that our, our fire doesn't boil our partner's water. And as women, they have to make sure that their water doesn't put out our flame. So it's all about communication. It's all about trust. It's all about walking together as equals, not having someone in front of the other one. But it's all about equality. And as Indigenous people, the women are the ones who we listen to. They make the final decisions. 
lot of women, they, they, they smile and they, and they shake their heads and they go, yeah, it's about time. But we've been doing this for a very long time. Over 12,000 years. It keeps getting longer and longer. But the men, when we make decisions, we let a lot of things get in the way. One of them is our egos. And uh, women don't do that. They think of the best interest of the community and the nation. That's what they do. And when we when we talk about decision making, we always have to think about those generations that are coming up behind us. How are the decisions that we're making today going to impact those seven generations that are coming up behind us? always have to think about that and that's like in this wingush this this braid of sweet grass very gentle smells amazing and it's uh and, and it's for the mind but in this one braid it takes three braids to make it right there you can see the three braids In each braid, there's seven strands. Actually, no, I'm wrong. There's 21 strands, sorry. In the first braid, those strands represent the seven generations that came before us. The 200 years over 200 years it came before us and the decisions that they made and how they're impacting us today. The next grade has the seven grandfather teachings in it. It has honesty, humility, truth, bravery, wisdom, love, and respect are in that second grade. And then in that third grade, that's where the seven generations behind us come. So there's so many teachings within this braid of Wingbush. And it's a responsibility that we have or that we don't have. We can either choose to have a responsibility and make a difference and slow things down. Or we can just keep going the way we're going. And as indigenous people, we have, we have prophecies and teachings that we're coming to a fork in the road. We can either keep going down this road that we're on, which is not gonna last for very much longer, maybe a few more hundred years, or we can start going down a different path, which leads to those teachings of the seven grandfathers, which leads to the indigenous people and how the decision-making that we make is a bit different from today's decision-making. I'm gonna open this up for questions because we only have, and I was talking to Laura. I said, Laura, like once I get talking, I could talk forever. You might have to put another hour onto this meeting. Um, but I did notice that we, we might want to have some Q&A. Uh, if anybody wants to ask me anything, um, 
Kat. This is your time. Thank you, Clarence. Everything you shared was so beautiful and um, really, yeah, really impacted me personally. So I'm, uh, I don't know if others on the call are just feeling like there's so much to absorb, so much wisdom you shared. I'm feeling so much gratitude to you. But uh, yeah, Sandra, I see you just raised your hand. Um, go ahead. Oh, thank you. I want you to see me so that you will be able to interpret me fully. <laughs> I think vision is so important. I, I'm a philosopher, so that will sort of explain the nature of my question. I'm a woman, and I've known women who don't make decisions for the community. Um, even a small community, a family, or um, an organization that they're part of. So, when you speak about women doing that, are you speaking only about Indigenous women, or, or perhaps about those Indigenous women who are grounded in the seven teachings, or in something else and I'll just add one more part to my question earlier you spoke you started to say you need to do something <laughs> and then you pulled back from that and said spoke of being encouraged to do something and I'm wondering if this notion that, that we non-indigenous philosophers and ordinary folk have that we have, um, that, that there are duties and, and obligations and shoulds in our lives is not something that you want to be articulating. And thank you. All right, Sandra. Um, it's my understanding, thank you for those questions. It's my understanding that, that all Indigenous women have that within them. That's, that's one of their roles and responsibilities because it's always uh, within the best interests of our communities and our nations. And, and, it, and it's passed down from, from generation to generation. You have the grandmothers and great-grandmothers. -grand they're already mentoring these young women how they can find their voice and what their roles and responsibilities are. Because we all have gifts. And it's, it's about finding what your gift is. And you're right, I did catch myself because I never like to say you should, you could, or would. Because that's, that's, that's a way for me to... Um, shame someone that's a way for me to shame someone when I say you should you could or you would and I do not like to do that so sometimes because I walk in both worlds sometimes things slip out but then I catch them I catch them and I retract them and and I try to correct them to the best of my ability because I never like it and I never liked it when somebody would point at me and they would say you should have done this could have done this you could have done something better you could have made a better decision that's not what this is about this is all about us meeting people in our lives and that everybody that we meet is going to be our teacher in one way or another and that's why as indigenous people you'll hear us say bonjour. not bonjour but b-o-o-z-h-o-o -O -O. 
Bourgeau. That is short for Bernana Bourgeau, who was a teacher, half spirit and half man, who went around creation and named everything. So when you see someone, you go Bourgeau, because you're saying, could you be Nana Bourgeau? Could you be my teacher? Because everybody teaches us something. And they teach us either how we want to be or how we don't want to be. And it's up to us to filter that out and to apply that in our lives. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you. Does anyone else have a question? Feel free to either raise your hand or put it in the chat. Oh, Mary, thanks. Do you have programming and services primarily in Cambridge alone? Uh, yes, we do. Cambridge and New Hamburg. We have uh, uh, two sites. We have one in New Hamburg, uh, which is about half an hour outside of Kitchener, and then we have one in Kitchener. Um, we do do some virtual things, but not much. We want to bring people together, and we have things in, in, in person. And it's all about Indigenous and non-Indigenous people coming together. That's what it's about. It's about time that, that we do this and that we start to repair the fractures that were made and then to know the responsibilities that we have, not only as men and women, but as, as community leaders. Amazing. So if we're ever in the region, we can yes. reach out. Yes, we have a website. You can check us out. We, we have things posted on the website. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, Amazing. And she did share the website in the chat, and uh, I'll share it again with everyone. Um, I see Susan, you have a question, and then we'll go to Sandy. Yeah, really fast one, and I guess a nice segue. Um, for those of us that are unable to join you um, at the lodge, are there any resources um, that you would be able to share, um, trusted resources that we can maybe learn a bit more? In particular, I'm interested in the Seven Grandfathers teaching. You could start with reading this. I don't mean to plug my book, but it's got a lot of information in there. It's got a lot of historical content. It talks about the residential schools. It talks about a lot of things. It, it talks about uh, Waterloo Region too. It's about educating yourselves. Um, if you think that's a, a role or responsibility you want to take up, um, there's lots of groups around in, in different regions. And the thing is, it's about stepping outside of your comfort zone. And it's going to be scary. Doing that, I would always encourage you to have tobacco. Always have tobacco as a conduit for conversation. When you want to meet with Indigenous people, when you ask them um, for guidance or, or input. Um, there's, there's lots of books out there. There's lots of videos. Um, I, I don't know where you want to start. If you want to start as an ally, if you want to start about educating yourself, um, if you want to start by making a drum and, uh, and maybe seeing where you fit in. But, but I do know that, that we all have gifts. We all have gifts and we all have responsibilities. And at Crochet Lodge, we help people find their gifts and we help them to answer three very important questions. Who am I? Why am I? what is my purpose in life? Thank you so much, Clarence. You're welcome, Susan. 
places and things. Beautiful. And Cindy pointed out in the chat, what a wonderful teaching for Valentine's Day. <laughs> it's just true. Now, I, I want to go to Mary next for a question. I'm conscious that some might need to hop off right at the hour for another call. Do you have a couple more minutes, Clarence? I'm conscious of your time as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, for those who can stay, Mary will go to you. Hi there, Tuesday. I just wanted to say, hi, hi, thank you very much for the teachings, Clarence. Um, and what you've shared with us so far from uh, Kamushu Lodge. Um, I am a uh, mixed uh, Nehio Dene of Tree Six territory in Alberta and uh, Irish European settler descent. Um, right now I'm living in in uh, Toronto area. And I've uh, I've heard of the lodge many many times, <laughs> and I've never been been that way to uh, to do any of the programming that you have. But I just had some questions um, on. Uh, I know that you have access uh, to elders, and um, I just wanted to know like if. Who's, who, who are the elders that you're working with? And um, I know that there is mixed teachings of all indigenous uh, nations, right? Uh, which is beautiful. Uh, and sometimes there's, there's indigenous people uh, that are looking specifically, let's say for Cree teachings or specifically for, for Anishinaabe teachings. Um, so is there is there an availability with crochet lodge to kind of differentiate or that, that might be a lousy way of saying it but <laughs> to, uh, to access specific um, nation teachings or specific elders um give me one sec i'm just writing some stuff down um Yes, yes. Uh, we are trying to put together things that that, uh, that connect with the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinaabe. That's what we're really focusing on right now. Um, the elders that uh, we do have right now is Mike and Henry. He's a known elder, and uh, Peter Isaacs and uh, Grandmother Renee is kind of connected to us, and we have Lana Brasher. Um, so, saying that, uh, Maing and Henry is Anishinaabe. He's uh, from uh, Chippewa of the of the Thames. Uh, Peter Isaac is is Haudenosaunee, so uh, he's from uh, Six Nations, and uh, he also has some Anishinaabe teachings. So we we are trying to to accommodate what we can. Saying that, um, it's always been said to me that that we take what we need from the teachings that we get. Um, if, if they don't align with us, maybe they're not even from our nation or from our people, but they're still a teaching. So so we take what we can from that teaching and, and we apply it to, to, to who we are. Um, it's, it's a great start until we can find those, those mentors, those teachers, those elders that we specifically need. Um, to align with the task at hand. Mm -hmm. 
published book, North Wind Man, speaking to us about his work on land-based healing and stewardship. Uh, for those of you in the 2023 climate cohort, today's session is not one of the monthly cohort calls. It is part of the other offerings to our members. So that is, I am in the uh, climate cohort and that's why I was uh, interested in attending um, this Climate Transitions Network members call. I um, I am in Nanaimo, which is on the t- territory of the Stanamath people. I'm going to get that right by the time that it, this conference is done. I'm here for the Local Government Leadership Academy, uh, the elected officials seminar, so that's EOS. I actually saw someone on the ga- at the gas station on the way down from the North Island uh, yesterday, Joe Sinclair. He asked me how the road was, and that's, you know, secret code for anyone who lives in Gold River. Tassis, Joe was a counselor in Gold River last term, and before that he uh, worked for Public Works. So he's somebody who really has a, a good sense of like how things work you know the the pipes and the tubes and the sewer water mains everything that is sort of like the buried infrastructure and it was just nice to see him at the gas station um i know that uh we talked about uh what it was like when we first went to the eos in 2018 uh that was in parksville or it was 2019 um, around the same time, uh, it was around Valentine's Day, I remember going um, to Parksville for my first EOS, uh, and now I have gotten my level one in local government from the Local Government Leadership Academy. I, I do expect to get uh, my level two uh, because I am pretty involved and trying to do as many training opportunities as is provided or is available to me. Um, So I'm looking forward to uh, going to this term's uh, elected official seminars. Um, 
with some of our new counselors. There's um, Cheryl Northcott, who was elected in a by-election in 2020, so she didn't get any EOS training, but she did actually uh, take advantage of some of the online stuff that was offered. I think she went to BCEDA, um, so that's really good. Uh, uh, that stands for BC Economic Development Association, and uh, they have a lot of valuable um, forums about economic development and other business and um, economic supports. And so the other new counselor is Megan Joseph, who is actually on the pack with me also. Um, so we both have kids in the school and uh, I endorsed her for council. I think that she's going to be doing a really great job in the next uh, four years or three years to 2026 uh, is the end of this term of office and I wish her all the best of luck. Uh, I want her to know that I will do whatever I can to mentor her and provide her with uh, the support that she needs because this can be a, a challenging job, uh, especially when it's considered a volunteer job, but I do see this as the real work of engaging and doing hard things, like Clarence was saying, getting out of our comfort zone and trying to make improvements. Um, so also Mayor Davis will be joining us for the LGLA and we're in Nanaimo. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to...